Think Red Ink Ministries presents The Words of Jesus series with Don C. Harris Hello my friends and welcome once again. You're in tune to Think Red Ink Ministries presentation of The Words of Jesus series. I'm Don Harris and I've been enjoying going through the words of Christ Hopefully they're being burned indelibly into your brain. The red ink is soaking through and you're beginning to think red ink. Now, um, this particular story that we, that we started in the, in the middle of the show last time, chapter 44, um, Jesus was um, crossing over the, the disciples. They were on their way somewhere. And the disciples had forgotten to bring bread. And... Um, because they had forgotten to bring bread, I think they thought they were in trouble. Tells me a little something about the way Jesus uh, organized his, uh, his missionary journeys. Um, they did have respect for him as a leader. And uh, it sounds to me like he liked things to be just right. And, uh, and they, nobody wanted to answer for this uh, mess up on their part. Nobody wanted to answer for this shortcoming. Uh, you know, it was, we've forgotten to take bread. And uh, boy, when he finds out, we're going to have trouble. Uh, it was as though they were just a little bit afraid uh, that it, when he finds out, it's going to be a problem. So they're in the boat, and they're just kind of tooling across the sea as the wind is carrying them. And uh, Jesus says, now guys, let me tell you something about the scribes and the Pharisees and Herod. They have a doctrine that they live by. And this doctrine is going to, it, it, it's going to be around for a long time because it's, it's within you. It's in, your, it's in your skin. And that is this idea that you care what people think of you. Now, I would love to tell you that he said it in just those terms, but he didn't. He says it the way he says a lot of things, in a parable, in a simile, a metaphor. And that was, he says, I want you to beware of the leaven of the scribes, Pharisees, and Herod. Now, I don't care what you look in. I have looked for this in just about every Bible commentary that I own, and I've got a few of them. Um, I've looked at it in Bible dictionaries. I've talked to seminary professors about it, preachers, pastors, elders, teachers, deacons. You know, it doesn't matter. What does the Bible mean when it says leaven? What is, it, what is leaven symbolizing? You know the answer to the question because you've heard it your whole life. Haven't you? What is it? Say it with me. <laughs> it's sin, right? Wrong. It's absolutely wrong. Why would you say it's wrong? Well, because the Bible actually says exactly what leaven is. The Bible says that Jesus told them not to beware of the leaven of bread, but to beware of the doctrine, of the teaching, of the lifestyle, of the idea, the, the characteristic of the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and Herod. I was fascinated by the fact that it did not say that leaven was sin. It actually says the leaven 
which is hypocrisy? Leaven, which is hypocrisy? Now, if the Bible says, if Jesus said, if the red ink says that leaven is hypocrisy, why do we say it's sin? It doesn't matter to you? See, it kind of matters to me. I just, I want to know. I just want to know. Why would I want to beware of the sin of a Pharisee? <laughs> Why would I want to do that? I don't care. I, oh, okay, I care. But I'm saying, how does that affect me? The sin of the Pharisees? The sins of the Sadducees? The sins of Herod? How in the world does that affect me? But when you just understand that Jesus, he was, he, see, problem is, Jesus didn't go to seminary. He doesn't know these things. <laughs> so Jesus, in his own way, in his own ideas, and, you know, whatever you think they're worth, he says that leaven is hypocrisy. Now, I got fascinated with this. Because, first of all, when he says, beware the leaven of the the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and Herod, I got to thinking, Pharisees, religious leader. Sadducees, another religious leader. Herod, that's a political leader. So it's certainly not when it says, which is the doctrine of the scribes and Pharisees, or the doctrine of the Pharisees and Sadducees, it's certainly not talking about religious doctrine. Herod had no religious doctrine. Why is he putting these three into the same category. I got fascinated with that. But you see, it was before it soaked into my head. It's a pretty thick head, by the way. But before it soaked into my head, or as Jesus says, before it let these words sink down into your ears, it was before I understood that leaven is not sin. It doesn't depict sin. I don't care who says so. You're not going to find that idea, that concept in the scriptures at all. What you find is a clear definition. He's saying beware of hypocrisy. Now, buddy, if those three people that I'm talking about, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and Herod, had something in common, buddy boy, that was it. They were hypocrites. Now, I know that the idea of hypocrite today has been kind of transmogrified into something that... You know, where people sneak around and do things or, they, or they, they pretend to believe or they pretend to be a Christian or they, uh, you know, they catch them doing some kind of sin and, and you see them in church the next Sunday. I'm not going to church because it's full of hypocrites or whatever else. And we use the word hypocrite a lot uh, in that way that people pretend to be one thing and not another. And there's truth in the fact that Hypocrite can indeed mean that. But this hypocrisy is a little bit different. It's, it, it's the same in many respects, a little different in another respect. The, the idea of, of a hypocrite is actually this idea of acting. An actor is a person who is playing a part in front of an audience. You can't be a hypocrite without an audience. You ever thought about that? <laughs> you can't be a hypocrite without an audience. You have to have an audience. Who was the audience of the Pharisees? 
Well, wasn't it the, the people of the temple? Wasn't it the people of God? The people of all Jerusalem? The people of all Israel? They all looked at them and expected to see certain behavior from them. And they were willing to act like that behavior was indeed theirs. There was, uh, the, and the, fair, the Sadducees are the same thing, a little different doctrine between these two people, but they still had that same thing. When they, they were disgusted at what Jesus was doing, they were constantly plotting against him. And they would take, and, and, and in some cases even seize opportunity, to attack Jesus publicly, and they would always back away. Why did they back away? Well, you might want to believe that Jesus exuded some spiritual force against them. Um, and, and, and that could, may or may not be true, don't know. But I really think that the scriptures, when they tell the story, I think the scriptures are telling us exactly why they, they moved toward him in an attack manner, but then backed away. What was it? You remember? They feared the people. They feared the people. They feared the people. It was over and over and over again. What were they fearing about the people? They didn't want to say anything or do anything that might offend someone. If they offended someone, if they, if they uh, ruined their, their uh, uh, appearance as a holy man of God or whatever, do you think that they wanted anybody to know that they put together 30 pieces of silver to kill this rabbi? You think they wanted anybody to know that? You can bet that was done behind walls. Why, why is that? They feared the people. Why didn't they push him off the cliff that day? They feared the people. Why didn't they accuse him or throw him in jail or, or send him to, uh, to prison by way of some... Uh, they, they, they would come to him about get him to talk about taxes. Perhaps we can get him to say something that will get him in trouble with the, with the Romans. And they feared the people. They feared the people and feared the people. Take Herod, for example. I believe that Herod and John the Baptist were friends. I have no reason to believe that they weren't. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that even when John the Baptist was in prison, he wasn't in prison because Herod wanted him there. He was there because Herod wanted what his wife wanted, which is hypocrisy, which is acting, which is hypocrisy, otherwise known as what? Leaven. He didn't want his wife to be mad at him. Hey, guys, can you imagine that? <laughs> so he did what his wife, because, see, John the Baptist was saying, hey, you enjoying your brother Philip's wife? <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, and, and Herod, you know, because he's a guy, he didn't take offense to that. It might have made him, he might have not appreciated it at all, but you know, when you got a guy dead to rights, you got him dead to rights. And there's, there's just no fight left. But I happen to believe that Herod and John the Baptist were conversational. The Bible says that Herod used to go down into the prison and visit with him. Did you know it says that? As a matter of fact, it says that he used to go down there and hear what John the Baptist had to say. And, and this is one of the mysteries in the Bible I'm just going to love to find out one of these days. And, and there's, just, there's just four little words laying there on the page that you, know, you just kind of read over and move on. But if you just stop and think about it for just a moment, 
It just makes you wonder, hmm, <laughs> what was it? It says that he used to go down to the prison and hear John the Baptist and did many things. What? <laughs> and did many things? What do you, whoa, wait, 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 back up here. Tell me again. What happened? <laughs> because you see, you have Herod going to the prison, obviously having conversations with John. Well, John really didn't have, you know, a career <laughs> other than being a prophet. He didn't have any hobbies. Well, so what was on John's mind? Repent and be baptized. And it says, and Herod used to talk to him and did many things. Wow, do you think that Herod might have been baptized? <laughs> do you think he might have repented? Do you think he might have made peace with John? I don't know. But I say all that to tell you that Herod did not hate John. Herod did not want John dead. I don't think he even wanted him in prison. But he couldn't face his wife. More leaven. He couldn't face his wife, so he did what she said. Now, the reason I'm establishing that is because Herod had John the Baptist beheaded. Why did he do that? Because some tawdry little sex pot, his, his stepdaughter, Salome, was uh, at a party one time when Herod had all of his friends over and he was drinking too much and she was probably drinking too much and and she was dancing and carrying on and uh, well we all know <laughs> that uh, you know Herod lost his good sense and uh, made a promise to that girl I'll give you anything you want oops problem what's the problem he said it in front of all those people at that party. Now, he has a choice to make. He can either fulfill that promise and maintain face with all those people, or he can go against that promise and be known as a scoundrel. It was so important to him that people believe him as king when he speaks. The people, what the people thought of him was very important to him. And what is that? acting in front of an audience, it's hypocrisy. It's, as Jesus said, leaven. This is why Jesus had no trouble at all throwing these three types of men into the same canister. Pharisees, Sadducees, Herod. What, what do they all have in common? Same doctrine of life. Leaven. Same doctrine of life. Hypocrisy. Same doctrine of life. Caring what people think about you, and actually dispensing with what's right and true, just and honorable, at the, uh, and, and, and using and dispensing with that in order to maintain a certain view, a certain look, a certain uh, what, what people think of you. Hey, can I ask you, how important is it what people think of you? You know, we've talked about many revelations as we've made our way through this book. Jesus has dispensed with, or at least should have dispensed with in your life, many doctrines that you've been holding that there's no good reason to hold them. There's no scripture to back them up. They have nothing but the church tradition to back them up. The only thing that they do 
actually accomplish in your life is cement relationships with other people. You, you can't even imagine having a conversation with somebody, some uh, person in your life that you have respect for in a spiritual manner. They call themselves a Christian. Maybe it's your preacher. Maybe it's a deacon. Maybe it's your husband and your wife or even your children. It, anybody, your boss, your friend over across the fence, whoever calls himself Christian. You can't even imagine dispensing with one of the commonly held doctrines between you because there's no scriptural evidence for it and look in that person in the eye and say, you know what, I no longer believe that. Because you know it's going to drive a wedge between you and that person. Therefore, you act like it doesn't really matter. You're not going to take a stand against paganism in your home. You're not going to take a stand against adding you know pagan ideas and characteristics to your own christianity you're not going to take a stand against that because you know it's going to cost you in relationships with other people and you know what that is it's leaven my friend it's leaven that a little bit will end up leavening the whole lump of dough it's going to take you down it's going to destroy you would you rather be long or be right? Why don't you answer that question honestly? Because if you'd really rather be long than be right, do yourself a favor and quit learning the truth. Because the truth is going to cause you some serious trouble if you're not honest enough to walk in it, accept it as your own. Stand up in front of the people that, that perhaps... You have an undue, an inordinate amount of respect for people that will throw you under the bus eventually. Hopefully they will. Hopefully you'll find out what this relationship really is. Because, friend, a lot of times we're re protecting a relationship that's going to be our ultimate destruction. In raising teenagers, I used to say, do you realize how many things you're going to do? How many stupid things, ridiculous things? Things that you're going to be ashamed of for the rest of your natural life. Do you know how many of those things you're going to do to impress a bunch of people in your school that you, that you are likely never going to see ever again? We train our children to, to add leaven to their lives. You've got to have little emblems on your clothes. It's got to be you know, certain kinds of... Uh, it's got to be certain brand names. It's got to be, you know, you have to dress alike and look alike and talk alike and act alike. By the way, you know why kids do that? So they can express their individuality. <laughs> you know what? We parents, I don't know, are we, are we just dizzy? Are we deaf? Are we dumb? Are we dead? What in the world are we thinking? Our kids want to express individuality so they all look alike? How much, how much sense does it take for you to understand? They're not trying to be individual from each other. They're trying to be individual from you. That's, that's, that's their purpose, and that's what they do. They drive a wedge between them and their own parents. Absolutely contrary to the fifth commandment. Maybe you should have taught your kids to, to obey the commandments. Hmm. Instead of just believing in Jesus and loving Jesus, Maybe you should have taught them to obey the commandments. Well, what about their salvation? Well, the Bible says that the 
that the law is the schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ. Oh, you thought you were the schoolmaster? No, the law is. Oh, you thought your church was? No, the law is. Your preacher? No, the law is. That's what the scriptures teach. So if they had kept the fifth commandment, maybe they wouldn't want to express individuality. Did I just chase a rabbit? I'm afraid I did. <laughs> but the idea of hypocrisy and leaven, it's throughout the church. It's all over the place. It's, it's probably the impetus behind every false doctrine in our lives. It's, it's really, really frightening. Jesus was on his way to take uh, these men to, uh, to a place that is going to be loaded with people. And he was warning them, now look, you're gonna, when you get there, you're going to see people you know. You're going to see family members you know. You're going to see a lot of people that you would really like to impress. That you don't want them to think that you're just some kind of a goofball that's following some troublemaker around the countryside. You know, some sandal-wearing goofball hippie. And you're just, you're caught up in a cult. And so you're going to be more than willing, more than you even actually want to admit. You're going to be a little more than willing to say, well, you know, that's Jesus. He's, he's kind of goofy. He's kind of good about some things, but he's got some goofy ideas. What are you doing? What are you doing? Are you denying Christ? Are you really denying him in front of everybody? I, really? Yeah, you are. Why are you doing that? Because of leaven. You care what people think. Way too much you care what people think. you got the idea that the majority is right, don't you? I know you do because you write me letters and say, you know, if what you believe is right, then why doesn't everybody believe it? <laughs> Thinking, you know, I just want to write back. Let, I'll tell you what. Let's play a game. I say something stupid, and you say something even more stupid than that. So far, you're winning. <laughs> I don't understand. Where did you get the idea that the majority is right? Where did you get the idea that if something's true, the majority's going to believe it? Is there an example of that somewhere in the whole cotton-picking world? I've been fascinated with Christians that, that talk like that. I'm thinking, really, do you, are you looking for a majority? You ought to be a Muslim. There's more than them than anybody. There's more Muslims than than there is people. Uh, oh, you, oh, you don't. You're not. You're not a Muslim. You're a Christian. Well, why aren't you Catholic? That's the largest denomination in the world. Largest Christian denomination in the world. Why aren't you a Buddhist? Why aren't you? I I don't know. Really, do you really believe the majority should rule? If if what you believe is true then how come more people don't believe it? Does that really make sense to you? Or are you just mouthing what you've heard somebody else say? Oh, wait a minute. If you're mouthing what you heard somebody else say, it must mean that you have some in inordinate amount of respect for somebody that you've probably exemplified leaven and hypocrisy toward. Is it always going to come back around to this? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> pretty much. We really do care what people think about us. We can't take a stand for anything. You, you're not an independent nothing. You're not an independent thinker. You're not an independent Christian. You don't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. I know you tell people you do, but you don't. You've got a corporate relationship 
with Jesus Christ or with somebody you call Jesus Christ. This thing just gets nuttier and nuttier and nuttier the more you look at it. So here's my advice. Can we just start over? Can we just start over and not care what people think? Actually take the words in Scripture. When Jesus says something, we say, you know what? I'm going to adopt that into my life. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do just that, just what he's telling me to do right there. Now, you think that's possible? It is possible. Hey, let's see a show of hands. I'm raising mine. That's what I did. That's what I, nothing opened my understanding. Nothing opened my ears, my eyes, my understanding, my relationship to God. All the, all the turmoil and strife and having to take scripture and change meanings and change the syntax of sentences, quote scripture wrong, and, uh, and say, you know, this isn't for us today and this is for us today and know all the rules to interpret scripture by so that my, I could keep my doctrine intact. Man, I just let it all go. I said, I'm just going to make a new doctrine. I'm just going to make a new one. And you know what I found myself doing? Same thing John says. I got a new commandment for you. What? <laughs> you got a new commandment? We've got ten. What are you saying? You got an eleventh commandment? You've made a new doctrine? A new, a new commandment? He says, ah, it's not a new one. It's an old one. That you love one another. Oh, I see. So everything old is new again. Yeah, pretty much. I believe that first century Christianity was dead on target. That's what I believe. I believe that Christianity, when Christ, the word Christ in the word Christianity meant Jesus Christ, the one who lived 2,000 years ago on the earth, the Son of God, the Anointed One, the Messiah, I believe that when the word Christ in Christianity meant Him, I think that particular religion, if you want to call it, is worth emulating. I think it's worth duplicating. But it doesn't look like any other denomination on the face of the planet. Who cares? Really, who cares? I don't. If you do, you may have a problem with leaven. Jesus is trying to tell you, you better beware of leaven. Because it'll take you down. It'll destroy you. You're going to find yourself at the end of your life with almost nothing to show for your Christianity. Other than just a bunch of trite maxims little scripture verses you've remembered or and you're not even going to recognize christ when you see him many people didn't and we might be one of them you might follow the antichrist off to perdition i don't know better be careful and the best thing to do is to eliminate leaven from your life time's gone i want to hear from you i appreciate those of you who have written and if you'd like to if you'd like to write to me uh, my personal email is don at thinkredink.com and I would love to get your letter. If you have a question or a comment, uh, I'll be glad to help you if I can. All right, it's time to go. Till next time, Think Red Ink, my friend. You've been listening to Don C. Harris of Think Red Ink Ministries. Email don at thinkredink.com. That's thinkredink.com.
join us again for the next episode in the Words of Jesus series.